Hello, everyone. You are listening to an encore presentation of the Word in the Hill podcast with the Lanky Guys. We will be back live with a brand new episode next week. And until then, keep us in your prayers. You're drowned by my perfect fire, my perfect life. Hello, everybody. Hello, 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 you, hello. <laughs> what is that from? I don't know. It's it was from, from something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're listening to The Word on the Hill. With the Lanky Guys. That's Scott Powell. And that over there is Father Peter Musset. Even though spatially you're unable to discern us from each other because we are coming into both your ears simultaneously. Unless your earphones are broken. Or your speakers in your car. <laughs> like mine. So we are in the third Sunday of Easter. Third, third, third. Is next week Pentecost? No, no. Pentecost is like 50 days. Oh, bro. right, 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 right. I forgot. That's what Penta means. 50. 50. It's going to cost you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're in the third. We're, o- we're only in the third. Oh, Sunday I just got it, dude. I laughed uh, spontaneously. It's your joke. It is my joke. But you nobody- use it every year on this podcast. <laughs> I know. All right. Uh, so third Sunday of Easter, <laughs> are we, we're, we're trying to be efficient and prompt today. Are we? Are we not? I mean, I'm trying to slow you down. I know. <laughs> and, and I can feel you like starting to go like, come we on, let's move on. just had this conversation. Uh, Unbelievable. I know. The food is, the steak is weighing you down. It is, man. It's getting me like lumbaric. I don't even know what that means. I just made up a word. No, you didn't just make up lumbaric. Did you really? I did. Wow. Well, as far as making up words, that's a good, good hey, job. Thanks. I was good thinking, work. I was thinking about my lumbar pack that I'm going to take on the Camino. Lumbar. Lumbar. You thought it was a fanny pack once, <laughs> but it's a lumbar pack. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, we had it my. in a movie theater, and Scott Powell did not know it was me, and he was like, dude, who's the dude? Over there with the fanny pack on, because I was talking, was giggling through the whole Matthew McConaughey movie. Shut up! Sorry, it was, it was, I, you can't I start know. the story without having I the best parts. No, and then you and Annie peeked your head over, and then you were like Your lumbar pack, like, like who's, who's that guy? And they were like, Father Peter, Father Kevin, what are you doing with your lumbar pack? I know, man. All right, uh, he didn't have one, just me. No, and he makes that very clear. He does. He, he wants want to, that clarified. He wants to eschew himself I know. from the lumbar pack. Indeed. So, our first reading, the third Sunday of Easter, is coming from... No, it's not in front of you. Acts chapter 2, <laughs> verse 14. Then we jump to verse 22 through 33. Dude, that's kind of strange. Why do we jump those? I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. The second re- Well, the responsorial psalm... Is the 16th. Psalm 16, 1 through 2, 5, 7 through 8, 9, 10, and 11. And the response is from 11. Oh, so it is. Very good observation, Father Peter. Hey, you know I'm uh, I'm I am acute. <laughs> yes. Okay. In, and in, I my, was, in my perceptibilities, I am acute. You are acute. There you Pastor. go. I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the second reading is from um, one of my favorite books. One of them. I know. I have a two. First mm, Peter. First Peter. First Peter, and it's from the first chapter. Hmm. Following their 17 to the 21. Very good. And the gospel is actually Father Peter's favorite gospel. Luke 24, 13 through 35. I like that one. Disciples on the road to Emmaus. We all like that one. But dude, this is I I have to tell you, I'm a little anxious today. To get to that one? No. Oh. I feel like I told them everything already that I know. They don't remember. 
They don't listen. <laughs> did they? Did they don't listen? <laughs> they're to the thinking podcast. about how the coffee barista didn't put enough cream in their coffee, or they're thinking about the idiot in front of them in traffic, or the person who left their sweat all over the elliptical machine that they're using right now. Who knows what you guys are thinking about? For what Pete's are you thinking sake, about? I mean, for I hope it's one of those sake. three things. For I'm just saying. I think we can. We it bears to be repeated. Okay. You know, I think I, think I have. Okay. A, I think I have a bear. I think we're okay. And I can repeat him. <laughs> Good job. All right, so we begin with the acts of the apostles. Acts, dude. Which I um, I had to say. I mean, my brother put this idea in my brain a long time ago. He said the acts. Are we still talking about that? No, no, no. Oh, okay, good. That, Yay, that this back. would be one of the absolute best miniseries that would uh, could ever be made. I mean, like think about. Think about like everybody wants to make the gospel. No, dude, you gotta make acts because it would be so crazy. I mean, people getting sent out of prison. And I thought you meant just the speech. Yeah, the whole book would be the uh, whole book, like the early church and the dedicating the prayers. I mean, like it would as be a teacher, so phenomenal. As a teacher, I always like to point out the guy who fell asleep while listening to Peter teach and fell out the window and died. <laughs> And then he went and he raised him up again, dude. <laughs> well, and then he went back to preaching. Dude. Listen this time. I love. Stay awake. I know that's it's stuff like you that. should say that when you're preaching. <laughs> you should tell people about that. But like, dude, once there was this dude and he had a heart attack. I went over, I prayed over him, and then I kept preaching. But he fell asleep to your homily. That's the problem. Yeah, or to Peter's homily. Yeah, the other Peter, the other Peter, the other Get Peter, it? the 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 dude, the foundation, the. One who is the first among equals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that Peter, this is Acts chapter 2, Peter stood up with the 11 apostles and he raised his voice and he proclaimed, you who are Jews, indeed all of you staying in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and listen to my words. You who are Israelites, hear my words. Jesus the Nazarene was a man commended to you by God with mighty words and wonders and signs, etc. Now, I was going to be like, dude, are you going to read the whole no, thing? No, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just was, didn't was know that, where to. Was that my, was that me? It was me, was I'm sorry. You? I think oh. it was me. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Lay off. Hey. Lay off, please. Do you any? Do you know what day it is? Um, in this reading, this uh, uh, isn't this. Uh, this isn't the the Council of Jerusalem. No, man. This is Pentecost. Sorry. Yeah, it's, I don't know why it's like that. It's a really mean spirited way to answer. <laughs> hey, yeah, thanks, mean I'm sorry. spirits. No, I didn't. I don't know why. Dude, I'm gonna show you mean spirits. Mm. No, it's at Pentecost. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. Oh, because oh, so right now they're drunk at nine in the morning. Well, that's what the reading skips. So chapter uh, verse 14 says Peter addressed all of them and said, let it be known to you. Well, actually, no, it's the men of Judea who gel in Jerusalem. Oh, this is interesting. I'm just now looking at both together. So what the mass actually has this reading, Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice. You who are Jews, indeed, all of you staying in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and listen to my words. What are the words he actually speaks, though? Well, in the Bible, what he (laughs) says is these guys aren't drunk as you all think we are. You all think we're hammered. And so we're speaking, because remember, they were all speaking in all the different languages, and everybody can understand them. Because all those pilgrims were coming up, and they were on the southern side of the temple, right. like and talking to so all the people coming in. If you hear people who are miraculously polyglots all of a sudden, your first reaction, of course, is... Those guys oh, are drunk. Oh, he's drunk. <laughs> he's, <laughs> That's why you can speak. That, <laughs> Carthian. <laughs> it's sort of a strange conclusion. But anyway. Well, no, you know what? I think, I think actually what's <laughs> happening is that like um, they are so... Uh, like. You know how, like, when somebody is totally unabashed, like, they have no inhibition? Okay. That, that like, as the, as they're, like, pouring forth themselves, they're like, dude, that dude is, like, why that why is that guy up there talking, like, oh, man, that dude is drunk? Yeah, I think that's a part of it. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna try to blow your mind though because I just thought of this. Okay. I'm really excited. I'll, well, I don't. It hasn't. I haven't articulated it yet. It's still it, floating around my head. Me. So I'm just thinking. Okay. Why do they think they're drunk? What, what what precipitated them thinking that the apostles were drunk? It's because they're speaking in a bunch of languages. Okay. So if you didn't know any of those languages, what would the apostles sound like to you? Gibberish. Yeah, it sounds like gibberish. So I don't think it's just that they're they're realizing, oh, they're speaking all these polyglottic language. They're just hearing gibberish, and they're like, these guys are crazy. They're just speaking gibberish. What's the problem? The problem is that they don't understand each other. The people gathered in Jerusalem from all tribes and all nations, you know, symbolically in a certain sense, a lot of them, uh-huh. they're all gathered there, but they don't share anything in common. They, they share the faith. They share the fact that they're gathering in the temple. They share a lot. But they actually can't communicate. They can't see the other. They can't hear the other. Why not? Because they. Uh, the I mean, diaspora? the ultimate why. The, um, because uh, it's because there was the diaspora. That's part of it. Go back further. Um, the they wanted to make a tower for themselves, Babel. Yeah, the Tower of Babel. What is Pentecost actually reversing? It's reversing the Tower of Babel. Back in Genesis, when they created a tower to their own name, they tried to glorify themselves, and God says, your language is now going to be confused. Essentially, you're all going to sound like gibberish to one another. <laughs> no, really. And so what are the apostles actively remedying? They're, they're, take, they're not just fixing the diaspora. They're not just rounding up the tribes who have been lost. They're not just you know reestablishing this nationalistic pride. They're reversing the effects of sin. The, the effects of sin are being reversed in their very persons. Mm. To which, again, this is what the, our reading sort of skips, but they think it's drunk. They think they're drunk. And Peter, in response to people thinking he's drunk, quotes the prophet Joel. And he basically goes on this long quote about Joel, talking about what was commonly known as the end of the age. Basically, this moment in time that everybody was waiting for when God would step into human history and set everything right mm. and make things the way that they were supposed to be. And he goes on and he says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream, dream dreams. dreams. All these things. He's basically saying, it is happening in your midst right now. All these things that you read about, that the prophet prophesied about what the last day would be like, the sun turning into darkness, the moon turning into blood, all of these things, they're happening. The sun did turn to blood in a certain sense because our God was crucified. The sun was bloodied in a very real way. Your world, your cosmos was flipped upside down. Why? So that Christ could birth something new into creation. He could set things right, which oftentimes is painful to flip the world back right side up. Now, that is what we skip, <laughs> which is kind of funny. I don't know why I'm laughing at that so hard. <laughs> that sounded, well, everyone thinks I'm drunk. Now. Well, well I, I'm listening to this, and, and Peter's, I mean, like, I, I'm, because I, I, at first I, I thought what Peter's trying to say is, like, they're, they're polyglot, so basically there was some sort of miraculous occurrence to where yeah. you had, like, the babblefish, which from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is basically, um, you could speak any language and it would translate it directly in your ear. No, I actually think that the that people actually had specific designated languages that they were speaking. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. That there's That's th- always how I've understood th- it. Th- well, see, and I never grasped like it like Peter that. Peter is speaking these languages. You know, Simon. Uh, yeah, he's speaking like uh, he, he's speaking uh, Aramaic. And yeah. Then you and have Egyptian. Greek and yeah, Egyptian. Yeah, somebody else then, is speaking this. That's always how I've sort of th- 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 thought th- of it. Which is kind Which of cool. Which is the only explanation for people thinking they're drunk. Yes. Because if everyone is simply hearing... Everyone's speaking in a way that they can understand it. Yes. There's no sense that everyone's crazy. 
they're hearing things that they understand, but they're also hearing a bunch of gibberish. Yes. Spoken by other apostles who they don't understand. Yeah, I, I think I think that's right. I think that that's just really cool. I mean, I've never really conceived of it that Conceived way. of it. Okay. But then we, we actually get into the speech, and so... Excuse me. So we get into then what's known as the, the Pentecost speech, starting in verse 22, and he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth basically gives one of the first testimonies of Jesus Christ. He proclaims the gospel for the first time. I think, is that right? Is that, Would this be the first public proclamation of the gospel message, the first case of evangelization? Uh, like, 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 not evangelization. There's been evangelization, but like the big... A public proclamation, right? I, Isn't this the first one? I mean, from 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 what I'm able to gather, yes. I mean, like, other than Jesus doing it, because, I mean, they, they were afraid up until then. But Jesus I mean, like, isn't fully proclaiming the gospel. He's proclaiming parts of it. What is the gospel, though, that God has returned to his people, he's been enthroned as king, he's defeated the enemies, and now he's died and risen again? Which Jesus couldn't, in hindsight, talk about his having died and risen again because now it's done. He, he needs somebody else to actually tell that story. Except for the man. He hadn't risen yet, though. Uh, he hadn't ascended. Sorry, I keep saying oh, risen, meaning, risen. Uh, meaning uh, ascended. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you mean the completion the of the completion entire The completion of the whole thing, history. right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not trying to stretch that. I mean, yeah, of course Jesus proclaims the gospel. Yeah, well, I, I, and this is actually, that's that's actually the right thing, and that's actually where we see, like, the, the hopes that had been present in the... Um, um, once, once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, this is the thing is that what you see in Emmaus, which mm. is coming in our gospel, it's and coming. I'm sorry to even mention it before Don't out take of, all the, of our thunder. I'm not going to take all of our thunder, but I think that this is, um, this is directly related to what's actually going to happen in Emmaus. In some ways, this is a fruit of a seed that was going to be planted that we'll talk about later. Yeah, no, totally. Totally. Um, so we see the blossom before the stem, which is normally how things are going when I perceive the horticultural of my garden. <laughs> the one other thing that's really cool about this, and I, I want to talk about this in the second reading too, but we're beginning to see a progression in the person of Peter. So we've now moved. So when we met Peter, he was this fisherman, kind of spacey, really you know, impulsive, does all these things. Jesus calls him Satan at one point. He doesn't understand that Christ is going to suffer and die. He gets really excited. Jesus has to tell him to put away his sword. You know, all this stuff until it kind of climaxes in him outright abandoning and denying Jesus. And then, you know, he kind of comes back and Jesus and he reconciles and he, he realizes what he's done. And there's this profound moment. This impulsive um, kind of wrong-headed guy is now getting it for the first time. He always sort of got it. You know, he, he was the, one, the first one to declare that this really was the Christ. Yes. But now he gets what that means. He, he understood Jesus was the Christ. He just didn't understand what the Christ was supposed to be or who the Christ was. Now he gets it. And he's articulating that. So we actually are seeing in this speech a maturation of Peter. He's matured a little bit, which I think is just kind of beautiful because you could read through the Gospels. And if you read through the Gospels on their own, you just have to think to yourselves, are these guys ever going to get it? Are they just always going to be blind? Are they ever going to understand what the heck this guy's talking about? Yeah. And Acts gives you the answer. And you say, oh, they do finally get it. Yeah, Once I, the Spirit is given to them. Totally. I was actually meditating on that my holy hour this morning about yeah. how how like Jesus would just get so tired of people that he <laughs> had to go off in the wilderness. <laughs> and like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you it's think true. about it. God only had a short time on this earth. Yeah. 
And like and he had to but, spend it with these guys. And he had and he spent it with those guys, but then he would have to just like kind of get away. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah, I just think that, that there's true, something though. really beautiful about that. It's totally true. And like where whereas now in the gift of the spirit, these guys are blowing up. Now, here's what else is cool. At the tail end of the speech. Well, no, smack in the middle. Um, and it it comes because the USACB doesn't have the verses, but in verse twenty-five. Peter, in the middle of his speech about Jesus and what he did and how he was handed over to godless men, verse 25, he says, For David said concerning Jesus. So where do the Psalms, where does the Old Testament speak about Jesus? He says, I saw the Lord ever before me. With him at my right hand, I shall not be disturbed. Therefore, my heart has been glad. My tongue exalted. My flesh will dwell in hope because you will not abandon my soul to the netherworld or let your your Holy One see corruption, etc. What is Peter quoting? Um, The Psalm. The psalm that we actually have this week. He's quoting Psalm 16. So in Peter's, so here we are, fresh off of Easter. Peter is declaring what we've actually, here's what you actually just lived through, church. Here's what you're in the third week of liturgically. Here's what's going on. What's one of the best ways Peter can think of to describe it? The responsorial psalm that we have. So the responsorial psalm is there reminding us, look, this is what you've just experienced. Just as Peter tells them at Pentecost. Lord, you will show us the path of life. That was my own made-up version. That was pretty good. I've never heard you sing that low before. <laughs> I've had a cold. You're a good bass. <laughs> uh, Thank you. So that takes us to anything else to say about the psalm? Um, I mean, like, there, I mean, like, that's just so baller that it's hard to even go any further. About I mean, the yeah. What else do it's you just like, do with that? It's just like straight out of it. I mean, this I, is. It's like this. Uh, I mean, it's the same uh, way that we describe we ourselves. It's like if I want to encapsulate a bunch of emotion about something, I'm going to quote a movie. I'm going to quote a song. I'm going to say, you know what I mean? Like when I hear something, and I'm like, oh, dude, it totally reminds me of this one song that I heard. The, the one King time. of Glory comes to right, the nation. <laughs> Yeah, n- no. No? Okay. Don't ever do Sorry. that again to me. Okay, I'm just kidding. Yeah. You can do that again to me. Continue. Continue. <laughs> Dude, that was like, that, that was what we used to say. Like, if somebody was like uh, like saying like profound point, continue. You were saying a profound point, and what? I cut it off with a stupid... Yeah, and no, I totally forgot, but I'm that's okay. I'm sorry. But no, well, I mean, it's so... It- <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all I really had to say is that is that if you want to express emotion, you do it through song, and song yeah. contains so much emotion. And so, the so he's going into the song, and he's like, "This is the for, but this is this is revealed song." And they're also well known cultural touch points that people knew they were familiar with, even if they didn't understand what the meaning was, right? Yeah. The other thing I was just this morning as I was going through these readings, I was racking my head trying to figure out what the psalm had to do with any of this. <laughs> And then it, it was actually as we started recording, I was cross-referencing in my Bible. I was like, oh, that's what Peter's quoting for Pete's sake. Dude, that's the it's best. Crazy. So First Peter then is our second reading. So we have Peter yet again. This is a very Peter-centric group of readings. Beloved, if you invoke as father him who judge impartially <laughs> according to each one's work, conduct yourselves with reverence during the time of your sojourning. Okay, Here, here's something I want to say about this. This echoes... If you read the whole thing, conduct yourself with reverence during the time of your surgeon, realizing that you were ransomed from your futile conduct, handed on by your ancestors. Some of the things... Stop it. Stop it right now. 
Stop it. I've got interesting points to talk about. Hey, I'm just echoing Theological insights. Okay, insights. That's why they pay all this money for this podcast. Oh, yeah, dude. They pay the big bucks, baby. Big bucks. Okay, give me your theological insight. I'm sorry that I was echoing. I don't even know. Well, some of the- Did I just shake you? Did I just shake you? Yes, you totally shanked me. (laughs) Some of the themes that are in this little passage from 1 Peter Uh do actually show up uh, in Peter's speech. Anyway. Anyway. So, um- First and second Peter, though, they're, they're kind of the forgotten, they're these really forgotten books. They don't get much attention. People kind of forget that they're there sometimes. They're all kind of tucked in the back with James and, wait, how many Johns are there? I mean, you know, yeah, they yeah, just kind of totally. get forgotten about. I give them by, as penance every once in a while. <laughs> Good. You should. But I think there's a great opportunity in these letters to connect with the person of Peter. Oh. Right? Here's what I mean. Um, one, of the, one of the arguments against these letters and their genuineness, some scholars say that it couldn't have actually been Peter who wrote these. Because the tone is so, this doesn't sound like Peter. It's you know, this is polished. This is, they're 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 just not Peter. They can't. Po- they, they, it's got to be pseudopigraphal. There's got to be somebody using a pseudonym or something. Yeah. And to that I say, well, that that's not true. But at the same time, this is not the Peter of the Gospels. It's not the young, impetuous, 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 immature, crazy guy. It's an older, matured. You know, very uh, fatherly Christian statesman looking back over his life and over his ministry with years and years to reflect on what he's actually experienced. So, of course, it doesn't sound like the same guy as the gospel because it's being written probably decades later. But that's good. That's beautiful. And you get this man being able, a first pope looking back and reflecting with all of the wisdom that you'd have gleaned in that time. And it is kind of a that's what makes it such a beautiful book to read. And going back and saying, this is sort of what, this is where I was getting at in my Pentecost speech, but even I didn't fully get it yet. But this is who this God was. Invoke him. He judges impartially, you know, according to our works. Conduct yourself with reverence, even though we're in this time of sojourning. We're not at home here. You just gave the the daily mass homily about when all the apostles were in prison, you know, and, and realizing that this really isn't our home. They were in prison. They got out. They wanted to imprison them again. They're trying to kill these guys. Peter can look back and be like, yeah, this is definitely a time of sojourning. Even though I'm in a better place now, I'm pre- he's probably well-respected, but they're also in the midst of a huge Christian persecution. But he realizes, you know, this is not the end. This is a sojourning. That's what I was getting at back on Pentecost. Anyway, I don't have too much to say about this, except that it gives a great insight um, into the person of Peter, which is a kind of a beautiful way to look at this. Yeah. Again, basking in the glow of Easter of what just happened, the way that Jesus can take one person from being kind of an impetuous fisherman to an immature Christian, to somebody who makes bargains with God, to somebody who denies God, to somebody who then is able to actually evangelize and spread the gospel into someone who can then reflect on that sharing of the gospel and understand what it means. Yeah. And if he can do that with somebody like Peter, yes. then he can do it with any of us. And that's what I think we're supposed to be learning here in the Easter season in these readings. Anyway, that's what I take from it. Yeah, you, you touched my heart with that. Yay. What's cool, like, and actually I think the word sojourn yeah. is what leads us into our gospel. Oh, very good job. Wow. Yeah. Cause, nice work. Because what happens is like, okay, so I mean, I, I spent an entire year of my life thinking literally hours a day on this pericope, which is uh, pericope means a s- section of um, scripture, which is a kind of encapsulated story. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so it, what's cool is that like, 
I am obsessed with pilgrimage. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm about to produce a map for the Camino de Santiago, and I'm producing a bunch of maps for other pilgrimages because I love pilgrimage. And they're cool, too. You shouldn't pre-order one. Yes. It's um, via, via peregrini.com. But actually, the site isn't up yet because I have, I'm still... The Way of St. Peregrine? No, it's a, no. Uh, uh, the way of the pilgrim in Latin oh, because it's international. You know, I don't know Latin very well. Via Peregrini, no Greek and Hebrew. Okay, sorry. Let's move on. Okay, so so you love maps. I love maps. sojourning. I love sojourning, but I I think pilgrimage is is the best because it's it's like what you're talking about with the uh, the apostles with Peter. We kind of grasp that we're not meant for this place. Yeah, that this is actually a journey through. Yeah, this is not the end destination. And so, like pilgrimage and walking, it can actually help you. Remember that. So you have these two disciples, these two people who are walking along the road, which is which is really very much a kind of a paradigm for all of the world journeying. Sorry, I'm hung up on something. Talk to me, hung up. I and I don't. We don't have to dwell here, but you know, one of my big things that I like to talk about and teach about is the whole idea of the new creation. So we have to be a little bit careful, I think, because when Peter and when the, the church talk about sojourning, what that actually means, it doesn't quite mean, I think, what we think that it means. Because this is where Christians fall into the idea of escapism. Because what Christian hope is, is not just, mm. oh, we're in this place, we're sojourners here, we're just here for a time, eventually we're going to leave this place, God's going to wipe it away, and then yep. we can go to our real home in heaven, which is partially true. Because what we, what we actually believe is not that we're sojourners because the world in its present form is passing away. The form of the world is passing away to make way for the new heavens and the new earth. The stuff of this creation is good. Jesus, God loves what he has created. He is in the process of rebuilding it, remaking it. So it's not that the earth is just going to crumble away and the wolf float off and be on the clouds for the rest of eternity. It's that the world in its present form is not our home, but it's being reshaped. The fact that Jesus in human flesh stepped out of the tomb glorified on Easter Sunday tells you that material, the material world is in the process of being transformed. So we're sojourners to the extent that it's not done yet. We're not finished there. We're on the way to something glorious. Sorry, I had to... Well, uh, Because what, this has been a major piece of Christian misunderstanding of eschatology since the early 1900s, at least, and I am in a hundred percent agreement. Right, and, and and actually part of I the reason, part of the reason why I think pilgrimage, um, as a as a paradigm for the Christian life, like actually pilgrimaging, yeah, is that right word? I don't know, yeah. but is is essential is because what it does is is it it goes into the four harmonies, which you and I are are all about. Yeah, totally, harmony with God, harmony with self, harmony with neighbor, and harmony with creation. Yep. Yep. The, like you actually have to be out existing totally. in the world and not just virtualized relating yes. to God, relating to yourself, relating to your neighbor, relating to creation. These things are totally. like, like absolutely happening. And that's why in Emmaus, you have this profound paradigm mm. of, of these people who uh, really, they have this negative paradigm. They have a yes. negative pilgrimage. They're moving. That's a- true. They're moving yeah. away from the work of God. They're, they're retreating into, um, something else well they are i mean think about it on another level though what are they actually walking away from literally jerusalem what's in jerusalem uh, who is in jerusalem the uh, the church the apostles the church the apostles the church so what are they walking away from the church they're walking away from the church so there's two people here's a couple who's disappointed has been let down by their faith and they've left the church 
I mean, talk about the practical applications of that. How many people do we know that have just been disillusioned by their faith and they're walking away from the church? Which is always the image I I see. But one is more aggressive than the other. Well, yeah, which is often the case. Because they're they're arguing along the way. Ante balo is is, is, they're throwing words back and forth. And I I this is like my happiest moment. It's like it's so human. (laughs) Jesus is like walking behind them, listening to them argue. He's just people watching. It's the best, isn't it? Like it gives us an insight. God watches. Like he's attentive. Like he sees the real thing. But I love what he ha- I mean, he's God. Who's been eavesdropping? And what's his question? Hey, what are you guys talking about? What are you guys talking what about? Is he walked away? He, he knows an, what they're talking about. But he gives an opportunity for the heart to be revealed. Right. right. And, oh, it's great. And so then they, they do. They, but th- and this is actually the, the heart of the connective tissue in all of our readings, I think, today. Mm. We had hoped <coughs> that Jesus was the one to redeem Israel, yeah. but he failed. Yeah. See, what happens is that we see in Peter at the very beginning, we have Peter expressing the same concepts, but in faith. Oh. They said, here's oh, a prophet, wow. mighty in power and deed. Peter's saying, here's a prophet, mighty in power and deed. But, but the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, what happens is that they're in despair into negative pilgrimage wow. into the worldliness because, the, the, because they, they saw Jesus do something great, but it wasn't for them. Wow. And so they bail, whereas Peter's like, no, this is for us. What do you mean they saw Jesus do something great, but it wasn't for them? Well, I mean, they, they said we, he was he was a prophet. I mean, they, oh, they saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they they saw Jesus yeah, yeah, doing totally, his ministry, totally, and they, totally. they were in. Yeah, yeah. Well, clearly. And and mm. um, actually, and and I like to argue that it's a man and a woman. I mean, I think that there's reasons. That's the most ancient tradition, too. And I think that there's reasons too why why Luke leaves it leaves it obscure, so that you can actually see yourself in the midst of this so that you could say like, you know what, there's, there's a contemplative yeah, vocation yeah, that walks yeah, along yeah. with the world, praying for the world. Totally. You have all, all these things, but then Jesus gets a hold of them. You know the proof though, or the, the little mini proof. John for 19. Why this is not, why. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> dude, I spent a year, dude. I knew. I figured you knew it, but they yeah, don't yeah. always know. Yeah, it. John 19, at the foot of the cross was Mary the mother of Jesus, and Mary, the wife of Clopas. And so you have a one disciple named Clopas. Um, the, the, spare, the spelling is just, a, there's a little variation between the two. No, but it's, it's easily solved because Luke is written to a Gentile audience. Um, in the Greek rendering of the name would be Cleopas. The Hebraic rendering of the name, John would have been speaking Hebrew or Aramaic, it's Clopas. Oh, shoot. So it's actually the same name, just in slightly different uh, linguistic variations. In your face. Take that. Boom. But I love it. It actually it, uh, illustrates something I mentioned with the first reading. One of the things, the if you ever come to something in the Bible that you just don't understand, there's probably an explanation somewhere else in the Bible. Yes. Because the Bible loves to interpret itself. So who is Cleopas walking home one night with? Well, oh, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, was actually at the cross a couple of days before. And, and I love that in the conversation, they're like, and some women astounded us and told us this thing. He doesn't want to call his wife out in front of this stranger. Totally. But, but he, he wants to say like, yeah, this woman was crazy, which I found out in the... Totally. We were talking about the tradition in the East last week about how they threw water. Oh, the water. Yeah. yeah. And that, <laughs> <laughs> but, Wait, Can I point out the joke here? Because it's important to point out the, the humor that Luke uses. Hit me with the humor. You know this, right? Uh, maybe. What's Jesus's? What, what's Cleopas's question to Jesus? Um, are you the only idiot who doesn't know what's going on? What's the irony of that? 
he um, is the only one who actually he's the only one who actually knows what's going on are you the only one who doesn't know he's the only one who does isn't that great love you've seen that one before right i uh no isn't it great well i I mean i've seen it but and i like i laugh yeah yeah, but i never laughed Oh. I, didn't, I didn't think it was funny until it you is. said it. I think Luke is actually inserting a joke. I think it's yeah. There's this irony. It's irony. Anyway, sorry. But, continue. But it's really funny. And then he then he just lays them out. Yeah. And then then we have this mass. And that's like I really believe that the pattern of the mass is just found right here. You well, have... uh, wait a second. You're jumping. You're jumping over some stuff. Uh oh. Talk to me. Well, I mean, for Pete's sake, what what do they do? This is the most. Well, it's not the most important. You s- stupid, foolish people, slow of heart to believe all that the prophet spoke. Yeah. So what is he, first of all, as a biblical person, I love this. What does he criticize them for? Um, uh, lack of scholarship? They don't know the Bible. Or they don't believe it. They don't understand it. Oh. Their lack of understanding of the scriptures. That's He's, what he calls them out. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the scriptures had talked about. And they said, uh, blah, 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 where am I? Um, sorry, sorry. Oh, fools you are. Okay. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them what referred to him in all the scriptures. So Jesus gives the best Bible study, the best sermon, the best homily any human being has ever given. It's seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus, right? So they oh, have man, seven the miles. Clarity, the clarity. Can you imagine? I mean, I try. But wait, wouldn't you think if Jesus, the son of the living God, the word of God, gave the best Bible study ever given in human history. It would be written down. No, well, it may be, but what should their response have been? Do they understand by the end of it? The best Bible study ever given in all of human history by God himself. And do they get it? I mean, their Do they recognize who he is? No. No, they don't get it. I mean, it's a great Bible study, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of take-home points. But the best Bible study on earth does not actually do it. It doesn't open their eyes. Whoa. It's not enough. Man, you It's I, just not. Dude, you're like blowing my mind. I love this I love this one too. Which is really profound. But before um let's see. The other thing about that which I think is profound and we talked about we've talked about suffering a lot on this. But I love that line. He says, "Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory?" I think we even talked about this last week. I have that saying that I hate. I hate the idea that God just brings good things out of evil. Yeah. I don't want to show up in heaven, hopefully, someday, and God to save all the struggles in our lives. Well, you know, at least I brought some good out of that at the end. You know, at le- I know you suffered all these things and you dealt with all that stuff, but, you know, at least, at least it wasn't all bad. I would rather a God who says, was it not necessary that you suffer these things so that I could teach you this or that I could show the world mm. this. Mm. It's not that God's going to step in at the last minute and just kind of set things right and tinker with his creation. It's that from the beginning, was it not necessary? This was the only way that I could actually show my glory to the world was through you enduring this thing or through whatever. Well, that's the kind of God I want to believe in, not the one who shows up at the last minute and brings some hint of good out of it. The one who says, was it not necessary mm. that you should endure this? Because I had my hand on it from the beginning. I don't know. I, I love that. That's always a really powerful line for me. Oh, man. But they still don't get it. They still don't get it. Not until the Eucharistic reality. Exactly. And exactly. I, I love the disappearance because like, yeah. what it does is they, the, he, the host, yeah, I mean, the guest becomes the host, breaks bread. Boom, they eat it, their eyes, they take, they eat, their eyes are open. Adam and Eve, the problems from the garden is solved. You can't just throw that out without explaining 
Like, come on, man. I, I'm a bad- Where's your charisma? I'm not a good teacher. You are a good teacher. That's why I'm furious with you. I know. So you guys, so the, the disciples <laughs> on the road to Emmaus, they take- Let's say that they're a husband and wife, like we suggested. Let's take the traditional view that it's a man and a woman. And so they take, they eat, and their eyes are open. Mm. I mean, when can you when can you remember a time when a man and a woman took, ate, and their eyes were open? We'll take it even a step back further than that. What's the first time anybody eats anything in the Bible? It's Adam and Eve. It's a man and a woman, right? Who eat something, and what happens? Like you said, their, their eyes, eyes are, are open. open to what? Evil and death to and sin, destruction, to destruction, chaos, shame. That's the first thing that happens in the Bible. Paul's letters and Peter's letters, for all intents and purposes, are commentary on the story of Scripture. So at the beginning of salvation history, you have a man and a woman who eat something and their eyes are opened. At, for all intents and purposes, the very end of salvation history, what do you have? A man and a woman who eat something and their eyes are opened. <sighs> to what? To the antidote to everything Adam and Eve opened their eyes to. Oh, to to glory, to life, to Jesus, to everything else. To the tree of life. To the tree of life. Well, this is the Father's whole thing. What is... What is the cross? What, what what is the tree of life? Well, it this, was the cross. Well, let's actually let's actually move step one step back, because because <laughs> this is you do that to me. I know. <laughs> like, so what happens is Adam and Eve they take to eat their eyes are open because they were not supposed to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, yeah. and they're booted from the garden. Boot. Why to stop them from eating from the tree of life? Because if they were to eat in that state, in they that would state, perpetually state, yes. locked. So they set angels out of mercy to right. block from them from the garden right, right. until the garden is reopened right. in the resurrection. The tomb is rolled back and the garden becomes a fruitful reality right. again. And then they eat from the garden, which is, which is, talk to me. You, you give me that look. You're like, well, no, I, yeah, this is, this is not, this is obvious, but I mean, well, I mean, when, when, what that, did Jesus hang on? A tree. So what hangs on a tree? Fruit. So what is Jesus's body that they're actually eating? The fruit. The fruit of another of the, tree. Of the tree. And then when he's raised and they're looking around, they're like, hey, there's the gardener. Oh, yeah. Well, they call him the gardener, but what else? Where does he actually come? He's buried in a garden. Remember that? The tomb was in a garden, in the midst of a garden, or at least with an eyeshot of a garden. Oh. It says that in John. It's explicit. Oh, I, I What does Jesus do? He sprouts out of the ground of the garden. Oh. He is, he blooms. He's the new tree coming out of the ground of a garden. He's mistaken for a gardener. I mean, come on. Come on. Are you and kidding then, me? And then I'm thinking actually even back to him to saying, uh, to, to um, getting um, um, Zacchaeus out of the tree, plucking, <laughs> plucking, the, fr- him. plucking <laughs> the fruit and actually saying, because, because what happened is Jesus became the, a sinner in a tree. Like this mm. is actually the icon and the vision of what is sin and what is death and destruction yeah. and destroys it. But then he's actually making these references and it's, ah, it's so good. I oh, can't so handle cool. it. So then the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they can eat of the fruit of tree and Jesus disappears immediately. Why? Because he's present to them in the bread. Right. Because it's, they, they no longer need that present. It's, it's glorified. And then they are with him and mm. they are in profound communion. And then they run back to Jerusalem. Exactly. They're like, they've got to, they've got to regather. They have to share this. It, they it, cannot keep it to themselves. And everybody else is starting to freak out because they've seen it, but they've had the, they've had a, they have had the resurrected Eucharist. Right. Which right. is kind of wild. I think it's unique. Oh, totally. It's got to be, right? I mean, like Jesus never celebrated mass. Um, I mean, like he broke some, he gave some fish and some bread, but never like that. No. Man. <laughs>
So the response is, the, is is like Peter. You get up and maybe you sound crazy, but you have a you have words that can only reach some people, and they're yes. going to be like, "Dude, that dude's crazy." But it reaches three thousand people. Oh yeah, does a pretty good job in the mikvah baths. Yeah, indeed. Ooh. All right. Well, you guys, there it was man. Um, we're super excited that you guys listened to this podcast. We are. If you want um, to. I don't know, talk to us. <laughs> you can send us an email, Thomas Center, lankyguys at thomascenter.org. Find us on Facebook. Leave us a comment or a message. We, we haven't been us. doing real, very many shout-outs shout outs. recently. I know, because so, we're trying to get to the good stuff, man. At some point, we'll do some shout-outs again. Yeah. Um, this is the thing. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell your friend. Like, tell them. Tell your friend. Just say, Sorry, hey, I want, you, I want you to listen to Lanky Guys. And, too, too and um, if you share this with your friends and your friends share this with your friends, um, we can overcome the problem at, in Emmaus and we can come to know the scriptures better and, see, and see him in, uh, in the, uh, and prepare ourselves to see him in the breaking Absolutely, the man. Yeah, so please tell your friends. Well, they'll like us. We're really pretty likable. I mean, you're likable. All right, everybody. We will be back next week. Enjoy your week. Have a wonderful week. Easter <laughs> week. Have a good week. Don't be weak. And we will see you next week. Week. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.